Chapter 2 of Balloons. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Fournier, Centerville, Virginia, USA. Balloons by Elizabeth Bibesco. Chapter 2. Two Paris Episodes. To Anthony Asquith. 1. The Story of a Coat. Le printemps a brûlé cette nuit. The news greeted me when I was called. It had no special significance, but spread through my semi-conscious into meaningless patterns. Then I woke up. Comme c'est terrible, I said. Quelle chance que ça s'est fait la nuit. I saw visions of leaping flames and angry reds reflected in the sky. Then I remembered. It was at the printemps that I had chosen my divine coat. They had promised faithfully to send it to me today. The loveliest coat in the world. Fumé de Londres, the salesman had called it. And in fact, it was the color of the purple-gray smoke that ascends in solid spirals from factory chimneys. There were stripes, too, of silvery-gray chenille, which made a playground for lights and shadows. In shape, it was like an old print of a coachman driving a foreign hand, long with a flapping cape, and the lining was the color of the sky when the sun has set. I saw my coat giving new life to the dying flames. Tongues of fire were darting along the lines of silvery-gray chenille, greedily eating up the smoky background. Finally, a mass of ashes, purple-gray like their victim, was carried by the wind into the unknown. All day long my coat became more and more beautiful. The texture was solid smoke, and the stripes were shafts of moonlight. How it shimmered through the mirage of my regrets. When I got home that afternoon, I found a cardboard box. The inspector of the printemps, knowing that I was leaving for England, had brought me a coat from the reserve stock, which was not kept in the shop. Infinitely touched, my heart overflowing with gratitude, I wrote a love letter to the printemps. Then I looked at my coat. The silvery stripes turned out to be black and white, giving a gray effect. The texture of the background was not purple smoke, but rather scratchy wool. Evidently, it was no longer the coat of my sad dreams. In becoming once more la création of the printemps, it had ceased to be the creation of my imagination. Resurrection is a dangerous thing. My coat, which was once a legend, is a reality again. It has traveled from fairyland to life. Now it is a symbol. Isn't this the story of the life of Christ? 2. Balloons All my life I have loved balloons. All balloons. The heavy English sort, immense and round, that have to be pushed about. And the gay, light, gas-filled French ones, that soar into the air the moment you let go of them. How well I remember when I was little, the colossal effort of blowing up the dark red floppy India rubber until it got brighter and brighter, and more and more transparent, though it always stayed opaque enough to hold the promise of still greater bigness. And then the crucial moment when ambition demanded an extra puff and a catastrophe became ever more imminent. And now, 
when I suddenly see a huge bunch of wonderful bloated tropical grapes overpowering some old woman in the street, I feel so happy. In Paris, of course, they are quite different. Balloons have much too much flavor to be international. They are smaller and lighter in color and gayer and more reckless. They always look as if they are out on a spree, just waiting to break loose from the long string by which they are tied in a huge multicolored sunshade to a stick. There is something very independent about French balloons. You feel you couldn't make a pet of one. But I am telling you things you know already, instead of getting on with my story. It was the sort of spring day when all the buds look like feathers, and the sun has been bathing in milk. I was walking down the Champs-Élysées, sniffing secret violets in the air, and feeling as joyous as if the world were entirely full of primroses and larks and light-hearted passers-by whom I would never see again. In the distance, a barrel organ became more and more distinct as I drew nearer, and the noise grew louder. I wanted to sing and dance. It was in tune with my mood, a symbol of the crescendo of living. And then, in the distance, I saw Cousin Emily crawling towards me, like a black beetle with her half-shut eyes, that see everything except beauty and innocence. Though I avoided her, and the day was as lovely as ever, I had become conscious that the world was inhabited, and that there were people who didn't whistle, or want to whistle, in the streets. I tried to think of larks and primroses, but my thoughts were dragged back to thick, half-drawn red curtains, black woolen shawls and silver photograph frames. Then I had an idea. I will buy a balloon, I thought. My spirits rose and my heart leapt. Should I buy a green one, like a bad emerald? Or a red one, like wine and water? Or a thick, bright yellow one? White was charming, too, and sailed up into the sky like a tight, round cloud. I reached the Gallery Lafayette. Des ballons, s'il vous plaît. Juju, I added. I was told to go straight on, to turn to the right and the left, to go up three steps and down three steps, but my mind wandered as it always does when I'm listening to directions that I have to follow. By an unseemly scramble, I got into an overcrowded lift. I seemed to be treading on children and reclining on tight upholstered bosoms. At random, I chose the third floor and found myself among a forest of lamps. Desperately determined not to risk another struggle for the lift, I tried to find the staircase. At last, after endless inquiries, and, it seemed, going back five steps for every three I had gone forward, I reached the toy department. Breathless, bedraggled, hot and exhausted, I clutched the arm of the first saleswoman I saw. Des ballons, madame, I gasped. She looked at me with contempt. Les ballons, ça ne se vend pas, ça se donne. For a moment, I was awed by the aristocratic magnificence of balloons. How superb! How reckless! Very humbly I appealed to her. Pouvez-vous? Voulez-vous me donner un ballon? Les ballons, ça ne se donne pas après cinq heures, she said. I didn't press her. How could I? By how many thousands of years of tradition might not the habits of balloons have been fixed? 
Their lives were evidently strangely and remotely unlike our lives. Wearily I walked downstairs, not snubbed, but humbled, and a little awed. Half an hour later I was walking down the Champs-Élysées, sniffing at the secret violets in the air. I had forgotten Cousin Emily, and the world was full of primroses and larks and light-hearted passers-by. Suddenly, at the other side of the street, I saw a bursting sunshade of balloons, emerald and ruby, transparent white and thick solid yellow, a birthday bouquet from a titan to his lady. Reverently, lovingly, I looked at them, my heart full of joy, but I did not cross the street. End of chapter 2